All right, here we go. Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside Podcast. My name is Ginny Urich, and I am joined with a new friend today, Marissa. Welcome. Thank you. I kind of like that you go by Marissa A. A. Link. Because that's fun. <laughs> I, is, that, is that how you I say it? I don't know it? why I do that, but I've always done it that way. That's a fun name, Marissa. And I just read your book, Living Slower, that came out earlier this year in April. Congrats. It's your second book, right? Yes. What, what's your first one? Uh, my first one is a book called Little House Living. Yeah, from your blog. Which yeah. Your blog yes, is so comprehensive. There is so much stuff on there. Yeah, that and that first book is kind of, it's almost like a summary of my blog. It's got a little bit more of like the recipes and stuff. Yeah, I could see how you could do that because when I went to go look at the website, I was like, oh, wow. It just keeps going and going and going. <laughs> so all sorts of information to put in a book. So you are the blogger behind the popular Little House Living, a website you started more than a decade ago to teach people how to live a simpler and more frugal lifestyle. You have so much on there, Marissa, like really cool stuff heading into the new year that people can come check out. DIY, gifts, crafts, homemade finger paint, Valentine's things. There was so much <laughs> on there from scratch recipes. But it's like, you know, I think when you go to someone's blog, sometimes it's just you have to have it so they'll have like three articles on it or something but yours was like everything is on there gardening tips from scratch recipes advice on modern homesteading you guys live in the black hills of south dakota and you guys homeschool your three kids and then you wrote living slower which came out earlier this year so tell us about the switch from the little house living book to doing this one yeah so i like i said little house living was kind of just a summary of what i had done up until that point um just on my website like i said lots of recipes and DIY stuff. But with Living Slower, I really wanted to focus on the topic that was super important to me, which was just a slower, simpler lifestyle. And um, I wanted this book to just be a deep dive on that topic. I loved it. Simple ideas to eliminate excess and make time for what matters. So you go through your story in there a little bit and talk about perfectionism. I think things that people would really relate to feeling this need to put your kids in everything. And if not kind of feeling like you're failing, you know, got to put them in this, they're going to get behind. So can you tell us a little bit about your story and those beginning days of motherhood? Yeah. So actually sharing my story, like my full story in this book was really nerve wracking. <laughs> I haven't really done that. I mean, I've shared bits and pieces on the blog before, but I really felt like it was needed at the beginning of this book so that the readers could understand where I'm coming from and why we currently live the lifestyle that we do. I, I have always struggled with perfectionism and just trying to do the right thing and trying to please everyone. And that has kind of resulted in a lot of stress, as you can imagine. And especially yeah. when we had kids, um, right. because like you said, there is this push that like when you have kids and you, they should be in all of these things and they should do all this. And if you don't do those things, then you're just setting them up for failure because you didn't give them all the opportunities in the world. And so, um, yeah. yeah, when we entered that stage, it was just even more pressure and so much mom guilt <laughs> for not doing all the things. And right. I really had to take a look back and reevaluate what our goals were as a family and what our priorities were. So I think people will be real curious to know, how did you do that? It's so hard to move away from those sort of cultural expectations or neighborhood pressures, wherever they're coming from, family, even from just inside of ourselves. You were able to do it. You moved away. How <laughs> yeah. did you do it? So me and my husband like to have, like, 
we like to go on road trips to have these really long discussions about life Aww. and what we're going to do. Because I feel like if you step out of the norm, out of your daily life, then you have such a better chance to focus on like, okay, now I can really think about what's in my brain instead of all of these things that are just coming at me. Yeah. So we had, I mean, it, it was a process. It was definitely over, you know, several years where we were feeling like, okay, this isn't quite right for our kids. And we feel so busy doing all of these different things. And we're so distracted because we've got them in this thing and this thing and and we're trying yeah. to accomplish this goal and it's not happening. And so it was over a series of a lot of discussions and a lot of hours of talking that we finally had to deep dive into like, this is where we want our family dynamic to be. And yeah. this is what we want that to look like. And how do we get to that place? Like, what are the steps that we can take to get to that place? Yeah. That's kind of, it's maybe an yeah, oversimplified I mean, I think, process. Well, but. I think it's good for people to know that it doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's an important piece of the puzzle that it's just a, it's a series of steps, a path. Absolutely. It's a, it's a process. It's a journey that you have to right. take. So then here's a question, and you mm -hmm. talked in the book about how you're longing, you know, you have this longing for freedom, you've always had a longing for freedom. Do you feel like you kind of arrived? Do you end up arriving where you want with some little tweaks here and there? Um, I feel like we're still working on it. Because <laughs> like mm -hmm. I said, I feel like it's still a process. And we're in the middle of another, like you go through seasons. And for a while, we felt like everything was doing really well. And then things just kind of creep in slowly again. Yeah. And so now we're at a point once again, that we're reevaluating some of the things that we're doing, and the things mm -hmm. that we have going on. And hopefully over the next couple months, we'll kind of make some decisions for our future. But at least like at, at this point that we're at, like, we know what our family goals are, and right. what we want our family dynamic to look like. And so we can look at all those things and say, hey, we're not quite, we, we messed a couple things up again. Let's try to yeah. figure out how to fix it. So it's like almost a constant tweaking, but you're in the right space for it because you know what you want and you know what that looks like. I think a lot of moms are kind of talking about that because Aaron Lochner has a book called Chasing Slow with sort of mm -hmm. this premise that you're always chasing that. I mean, really, like even yeah. those two words are so meaningful. And then Ainsley Arment has a book, The Wild and Free Family, where she talks about how family culture leaks. And someone was talking about how that kind of means like, oh, it's leaking out into the greater culture and you're having an effect there, which I think is cool. But also this thought that all of our intentions and all the things that we're trying to do can seep out and you're having to sort of refill and figure it out. And things change. You have three kids yeah. and they change. They're in different seasons of life. We have yep. ones that are now in sports and things like that. And so things are constantly changing with kids and then you've got to adjust. So you had some cool questions in the book. Why do you think the thought of slowing down scares us? Yeah, I think that's a really good question that everybody needs to ask themselves. Like, why do, why do we want to be so busy? Because... And, and maybe like sometimes busyness just creeps in and it right. happens and then we don't even realize it. And we get to a point right. where like, whoa, what, <laughs> where did this come from? But a lot of times we almost crave that we want it because it's a distraction from something else we don't want to deal with. And it's scary to think about slowing down and think about your life and think about where it is right now and what your goals are. And if you 
want to meet them or are scared to meet them. There's just a lot of, it's a long thought process. Like I said, you kind of have to hash it out for a while and really think about that. Yeah. And I've read books where they talk about how just culturally busyness is a badge of honor. That when we're like, oh, I've got so many emails to respond to, or, oh, I'm busy. I've got these meetings that somehow that has been elevated to equal importance. Yeah, we, it's kind of funny because as a culture, we've gotten into this, you know, somebody asks you how you're doing and you're like, oh, I'm good. We're just keeping so busy. And right. it's almost like, oh, this is such a good thing. We're, we're keeping busy. It's good. And like, do we stop to think about that? Is that a good thing? Right. How else could we say it? We're really not busy. <laughs> <laughs> we're just saying it, it, <laughs> yeah, it would be an odd response. And it almost, as a yeah. parent, it almost seems irresponsible and not right. culturally accepted because we should be running, running, running. And it's a thing. And so I love your book, Living Slower. And it's, it's like a guide, you know, and things to think about. You had a really interesting sentence in here that I'd never heard of before. And it says, it takes an average of 25 minutes to get back on track after being distracted. Wow. Yeah. 25 minutes to get back on track after being distracted. So, <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about what are some of the common distractions of our day? I think it's going to vary a little bit for each of us. For, but right. for me, it's like a child needs something that's, I don't want to say unimportant because our kids' needs aren't unimportant, but you know, um, there's just something that comes up that can completely derail what you were doing and your focus. Like, for example, I will have, we'll be in the middle of doing school because we homeschool and I'll have a child that just bursts out into their um, telling me about their dream. And I want to hear about their dream from last night. And we want to, you know, we can talk about it, but when we're right in the middle of our math problems and then we can't stop and then we have to talk about it, and then everybody's got to tell about their dreams. <laughs> it's a, I, that's kind of a silly example, but it is an example of how something gets derailed. Oh, right. And I think it, the sentence, because, you know, it's our phones, it's everything, 25 yes. minutes to get back on track. And it just made me think, oh, that's probably why we feel so frazzled, too, <laughs> because that is, yeah. <laughs> disrupt, disruption is probably not quite the right word to view how a child is interacting with us. No, that's that's maybe a good dis, that's maybe a good distraction or good disruption. But yeah. I do think it gives light as to why we feel like maybe there's hardly ever forward progress when you're a parent because yeah. <laughs> your day is broken up with all of these little interactions and so actually so it makes me kind of feel better. <laughs> but it's a good reminder that if we get yeah. distracted by our phones or something else that's maybe not quite as pressing or important as our children that it can really throw off our day. So you had information in this book about screens and how you do screens in your home. Can you tell us about that? Well, I actually, since I wrote the book, we have taken screens completely out of our home. It was something that we, like we were doing a, a minimal amount of, and I guess we do still have a little bit for school because we do a couple um, school things online. But uh, other than that, we as a family have made the decision just to remove them completely. Um, before we were just without TV and then um, had a little bit of other screen time. But for us, it was actually more of a behavioral thing uh, with the kids. And so that's how we came to that decision. 
but that was, yeah, we hadn't, screens were not big in our house before. And we've had a lot of conversations with the kids about how like watching movies and playing games, they are not inherently bad, but we can get so caught up in them. And we talked to our kids a lot. I actually just talked to my um, son the other day because he was talking about someone else playing games on their phone. And I was like, you have to think about how you really want to spend your time. Like that could be really fun. It could be really fun to play that game. But like, is that how you wanted to spend a couple hours of your day? And he really thought about that. And since we've been without screens now for a a little while, um, he's like, no, you know, I don't think so. I think I'd rather do something else instead. Um, so that was a really big uh, accomplishment for us. (laughs) Yeah. How about how old is he? He is eight years old. Oh, wow. Isn't it amazing the depth of thought that kids can have? It's like they seem so young, but they have that depth of thought and things they like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we did talk about examples of like, oh, here's some of the things that you can do instead. And he was much more excited to do those things versus have had, you know, spent that time playing games or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was just good for his mind to process that information in that way. Like, oh, I could do this instead. Mm-hmm. So for those who are interested, because there's always people who are interested, did you always mm-hmm. not have a TV? Um, no, we've had a TV on and off. We haven't had a TV for the last two years now, I think. We mm-hmm. moved into the house that we have now. We built our own house and we just wow. never got one. <laughs> we were too busy <laughs> building sure. our house. So well, we that, haven't had one in the last two years. Okay, I, I missed that. I saw something about an RV. Maybe I didn't go far yes. enough back in the social media, but you built, <laughs> this is what I think is funny, Marissa, because someone writes a book called Living Slower and you are trying to decrease your busyness. And yet within that framework, you were also able to build a house <laughs> because you're pulling out of all of these extra things and you're able to focus on kind of like the task at hand. Yeah. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. 
We had a somewhat last minute get together recently and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. Well, I, I talk a little bit in the book about kind of our, our mission and our family goals and stuff. And something that was that is really important to us was that we live in a place that didn't cost us a lot of money because we wanted to be able to not have a bunch of debt and to be able to spend that time um, doing ministry work. And mm-hmm. so we bought a piece of land that was the cheapest land that we could find. We had so much cash in the bank. Um, we didn't want to get a construction loan. And so we decided to build our own house with the cash that we had. Wow. Um, so yes, it was busyness, but it was part of our ultimate wow. goal was to not have that debt and to not have to work as much in the future. Yeah. Well, that is when you talk about freedom, that's really freeing mm-hmm. because I think when you get those construction type loans, they're not freeing. From what I've no. heard, they're very like specific and you have to say, well, I'm spending this much money on this and I'm doing this project this way. And you kind of have to abide by it, I think, to a degree. It's almost like you have to be able to tell the future. Yeah, and the loans themselves are really expensive too, because you have to have closing twice on your loan. And it, wow. it just wasn't something that we wanted to do. Um, so we used the cash that we had and we um, ran out partway through. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and we just kept on. What did you do? Uh, we had a, well, we had our house finished enough to where it was enclosed and it had running water. So we moved in when it started snowing. <laughs> And then um, we just kept working on it every month. You know, we'd have a little bit more income come in and we'd work on each room. And it is two years later and it's not quite done yet. Uh-huh. What do <laughs> you still have to do? What's, what's left? Um, we have a hallway upstairs that goes to the bedrooms and that is not finished and part of an attic space. But but that's, that's it. Much. We're almost finished. That's yeah. not much. How was that whole process? Was it hard? Was it real? I mean, there's so many decisions. This is kind of what I say about parenting and also about travel and also about getting kids outside is that if you don't do anything like that, if your day is kind of routine, it cuts out the amount of decisions that you have to make. And the more decisions, the more there are opportunity for friction. It just is how it is with whether it's with a spouse or with your kids or even internally. So when you're building a house all on your own Mm -hmm. and you come up against these different things, you run out of money, how did that go with all those decisions and trying to figure out what to do next family-wise? For us, it was... So we'd never built a house from the ground up before. We had done some pretty extensive remodeling. I don't think many people have. Um, (laughs) No, that was new for us. And so we didn't really know how it was going to go. But once we started into it, it was just kind of a let's take it day by day. Mm -hmm. And we're very lucky. We live in a county that doesn't have building codes. And so (laughs) we can make some modifications. Yeah, I've never so heard we of can that. make some modifications. Like when we put in the staircase, it's probably a little bit steeper than a typical mm-hmm. one. 
But um, we just kind of had to go with it. And we had to go day by day. And the same thing, like taking care of the kids at the same time we were building the house because they were with us the entire time. Just like, you know, like, here's what we're going to do today. Here's the plan. And um, sometimes they had to stay away and play at the little playground that we have set up for them. But there was a lot of times that they helped with the project and um, but it was really just a take it day by day thing because, like I said, we hadn't done it before, and um, oh, sure, we I mean, weren't sure what the process was going to be. But it reminds me of you know, so often you hear people, not even so often, actually, probably fairly rarely, when you hear people say, "Oh, my grandpa built that cabin, and it's just yeah. such a special thing. It's just that's going to be your thing." Like someday, there's yeah. going to be someone that says, "Oh, my grandpa and grandma built that house." Would you do it again? Um. Yes, but a smaller one. <laughs> Our okay. house is not very big. We built it to be about 1,700 square feet, but um, we would actually go smaller next time just because I think you, like, as you do it, you become more efficient and, like, our house is set up exactly how we want it to be because we could build it mm-hmm. um, that way. But, like, there's now there's things that I would be like, oh, well, this could have been combined with this and we could have just been more efficient and I would have built a smaller house, but... We're outside most of the day anyway. <laughs> sure. Give us an example. Um, we, well, like the kids' bedrooms are quite large and we did that for like, you know, they're, they're going to grow and they're going to get bigger and probably want more space at some point. And that might be true, but mm-hmm. in reality, like our family is, we're just outside so much. They're not in their bedrooms. And right. so I don't see that changing. It's a really large part of our family dynamic. We're really into hiking and off-roading and um, that kind of stuff. And that's not going to change. And so thinking back on that, we could have definitely not like Mm. made their bedrooms a more efficient space than what we did. Um, And that just would have made the whole house a little bit smaller. But yeah, there was just things like that, that if I would have taken into account what actuality is. (laughs) Right. And you can't predict Um, the future. I've heard so many people say your kids are just going to get bigger. So you you need to have a couch space for them or different things like that. So it seems like that makes sense. But interesting, interesting to think about if you were to do it again. And it makes me wonder, will your kids ever build their own house having had that experience (laughs) and knowing that it can be done? Oh, they've they've already um, said that they and we've given them permission to do this. They've said that they're going to build their own tiny houses uh, when they get old enough to live on their own and start out that way and um, see where it goes from there. So we're all for that. That's so cool. So one of the things you talk about in your Living Slower book is being clutter free and how being clutter free helps you to live slower. Can you talk about what are some of the challenges that exist when we try and decrease clutter and what are some of the benefits when we actually do it? Yeah. So I I wouldn't say we're totally clutter-free. I don't know that anybody is, but having less clutter than the average household um, has been huge for us. And um, not just for us personally, but for people that come and visit our home, they talk about how like relaxing it is to be in our home because there's not so much all over the place. Wow. Um, But the journey to like getting rid of the clutter is difficult because just like deciding you're going to live slower, you're going to live more simple. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. People feel like if you're just going to like, oh, we're just going to clean out this room today, or we're going to deep clean the house today. That's nice, but it's not going to get rid of all the clutter. We've Mm -hmm. moved multiple times and I've used each of those moves as an excuse to keep on decluttering more 
And there's still stuff that I'm (laughs) cleaning out and decluttering. And like right now we own less than we've ever owned. Even when we lived in a camper, because we still, we had a a trailer where we had some things in when we lived in a camper. Um, I feel like we own less now than we did then. And I'm still decluttering. I have a constant box up in my bedroom where I'm just cleaning things out. But I think that we get snagged by thinking, well, I've got to keep this because I might use it someday. Or I've used Use this once, you know, in the last couple of months. So it's probably worth keeping or, you know, maybe the kids are going to grow into this or use it. For me, that was the hardest mindset to break. Like, hmm. oh, I'm going to use this someday. I'm really going to use this. And then when you, <laughs> I, and I think it has to do when, when you move, you keep stuff, you pull stuff out that you use right away when mm-hmm. you're moving, when you're unpacking your stuff. And there's always stuff that ends up sitting in a box. And every time we've moved, that's happened every single time. And I'll pull out those boxes and I'll think, why on earth did I move with this stuff? (laughs) I don't even know why I'm keeping this now that I've had time apart from it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not in front of me all the time. I've had time. It's been in a box. It's been sitting in the shed. Why Mm -hmm. do I still have this? Yeah. But we don't, when it's sitting in front of us and we we see it all the time and we think, oh, well, I used this one time last Christmas or something. Then we get caught up into thinking that we need to keep it. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's just something else that we have to manage. And in yeah. my mind, I don't want to manage any more than I really need to. Right. And so removing that clutter and continually removing the clutter from our lives has really lessened what I have to deal with, what I have to clean, and just what I have to manage in general. Mm -hmm. I liked your idea in the book about pulling everything out. It said, pull everything out that's in the room and put it in the middle of the floor and leave nothing in your cupboards or dressers and then figure out what doesn't have a home. I thought that was a really good way to deal with it. Yeah. And we, in our house, we do that multiple times a year, especially in the kids' room because they tend to accumulate a little bit more than the rest of the house. But we take everything out, we put it on the rug that's in the middle of the room and we go over it and think, okay, this is where this goes. This is where this goes. Where did all this other stuff come from? Does it have a place to go or does it need to go out of the house now? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to do it. And you had some interesting statistics in here. Like the average person spends two and a half days a year looking for things they can't find. Isn't that terrible? It's <laughs> a lot of time. Two and a half I days know. per year. Yeah, just probably like the little things they add up and then every once in a while you have like those long hunts. Well, yeah, you can't find your shoe, you can't find whatever. Yeah. So yeah, you had some really awesome information in there about dealing with clutter. Well, you had a question where you said what and it might have been on your blog, what is it really like to get rid of seventy five percent? of your things. Is that what you did when you moved into the RV? Yes, it was. Um, We had, at the time we were living in a 3000 square foot house. It was a big, beautiful house and we loved it. And we decided to move into an RV and could not take that stuff with us. So Mm -hmm. we cleaned and had multiple rummage sales and ended up, I think it was about 75% or maybe more of our stuff that we got rid of to be able to move into a, I think it was a 38 foot fifth wheel camper. How long did you live in the RV? Um, That time we lived in, I want to say that time was only about six months. Um, (laughs) A long time. We've we've lived in an RV multiple times and that was Mm -hmm. not the longest time um, that we had lived in an RV, but 
we had to move due to some medical needs for one of our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had to move out for a while, but um, I would totally do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's real easy to clean and keep up with Yes, when you're in that smaller space. So yeah, awesome ideas about decluttering. And I think when people are trying to spend more time together, get their kids outside more, or just do more hands-on things, it's hard to find the time. And so by having these simpler processes in the home, it frees up time for us to do the things that we really want to do. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported, and that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. So one of the things that you talk about, which comes up a lot, is meal planning. Mm -hmm. Because if you're out, like you said, you talked about you're out doing all of these different things and you come back and everyone's hungry and maybe you don't even have all that much time. So how do you deal with meal planning? It's kind of, it's changed over the years. Like I'll have a method that works for me really well for, you know, Mm -hmm. a couple months and then it doesn't work anymore. Currently, what I did was I created this calendar and each day for each meal of the day, so breakfast, lunch, and supper, it has a theme. So like breakfast on Mondays is always eggs or whatever. And that can mean multiple, like it doesn't mean scrambled eggs. It can mean we have eggs with toast or whatever. It just means the main part of that meal is going to have eggs. And then lunch is a sandwich and 
that can be a whole variety of sandwiches, but like that's what we're going to have for lunch that day. And then supper is some kind of beef dish. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the calendar is really basic. It doesn't have like specific meals on it, but it's a good outline for us. And that way yeah. I always know, and the kids always know like, oh, this day we're having oatmeal for breakfast, but you know, we can put all kinds of different things in our oatmeal to make it different because we get bored, yeah. you know, right, right, um, sure. making the same thing over and over. But I wanted to have something that was just really basic that I could refer to, to um, like know ahead of time what I'm going to make for that meal. And like, even if, so say I have beef for supper, but I haven't mm-hmm. exactly planned what that is, I can still go get beef out of the freezer and have it thawing and ready. And then when we come home from whatever we've done or playing outside or whatever, then I've got my beef ready and I can make it right. into a meal. Yeah, that has made my life so much simpler in not having to decide every day mm-hmm. exactly every single meal, especially when everybody's crying and they're hungry. Right. And there's three a day. Food. They come like clockwork, right. three meals a day. They never end. <laughs> it doesn't ever end. I think you have said so many interesting things that are so encouraging because with each topic, you say, well, we did it this way and that didn't work and we've changed. Or you say, mm-hmm. we had a screens, we had a TV and now we don't, or we tried screens and now we've gotten rid of them since I wrote the book. Or you say, we're still, we still have some clutter. I'm still dealing with it. I got this box in my room. We go through the kids' rooms. We have things that creep back in. We try and be less busy, but things creep back in and we have to keep reevaluating. And I think that mm-hmm. seems to be the theme is as we head into a new year and we have these goals and visions for our life is that it's never seamless. You always are having to come back to it and adjust. And I think maybe that's why we get so off track because we think we can kind of like set it once and it's going to just continue to go in that direction. But with every one of these topics, you have said, we come back to it, we come back to it, we change, we adjust. And mm-hmm. so to have the expectation that And that's kind of fun too. I mean, really, that it doesn't have to be the same all the way through and we can make changes and talk about things. What it sounds like is that you're very thought-filled about the things that you're doing and you come back and touch on these main topics throughout your mothering years and continue to strive for how you want to live. Right. Well, the reality is, is that life is always changing. It's not constant. Mm -hmm. Like Things don't look the same. And I think that's kind of like you said, it's where we trip up because we think, well, if we just do this declutter once and make a plan, like then yeah. we're set, we're good to go. But our kids are getting older and they change and they're into different things and we're doing different projects or we're doing different, you know, we have a new hobby or, you know, yeah. ministry takes a different way. Things are always different. And so right. if we don't stop and reevaluate, we're just going to fall back into where we used to be before right. we even started in the first place. But right. that's the reality. It's so easy to look at like blogs and books and stuff and think, oh, this here, this is perfection. And if I do all these things and I will just attain that mm-hmm. and my life will look like that. End of story. <laughs> And yeah, it's not mm-hmm. because our lives are always changing. Right, right. So there's not one answer that you're looking for. Yeah. So this concept of reevaluating. Right. And you had this interesting 
so many interesting sentences in here about our lives are just filled with things that keep us busy, the toll that living a fast-paced life has on our family. We are part of a culture in which families are apart more than they're together. 84% of parents feel rushed every day. That's a lot. That's almost all of us feel rushed every single day. And so I love that your book has these simple ideas, but then your approach is that you're not going to find the magic bullet. You have to keep coming back to it. And, you know, that's kind of how I felt about your blog. Like I said at the beginning, I hopped on because so when I'm preparing for a podcast, if it's an author, I read the book and I come out with some questions and themes that really stuck out to me. And then I always hop over on the blog to see if I haven't been on it before. You know, what's going on over there? Is there anything I can add? And usually, like I said, it's kind of just a a little bit of extra stuff. But with yours, Mm -hmm. (laughs) wait wait a minute. You know, I clicked on, actually, this was one. I clicked on, there was a a drop down of a how to simple living, how to do simple living. And I thought, Mm -hmm. I thought, Marissa, it was going to be like, I don't know, like a one page article of, and it was then that (laughs) extended to all these other things, say how to organize. I mean, this is awesome. Helpful kitchen Mm -hmm. tips. So what I love about it is that if someone were trying to take steps, if that's really all it is, is taking steps and trying on different things, like how you try on an outfit, you know, try out some of the different Mm -hmm. ideas you have there and see what works for the season that you're in. And then you could come back because there were so many things. I mean, every recipe section had 30 plus recipes and appetizers and make ahead meals and how, I mean, all the way down to gift baskets pasta night family gift baskets. I mean, like, this is incredible. <laughs> so can you tell us just real briefly about your website? It's littlehouseliving.com. Do you still update yes. it or is it like there's so much information there that it just still, it just stands alone? Yes, I am still updating it. Um, I don't add new content as much as I did. It's probably just a couple new articles a month, mm-hmm. but I'm constantly updating the older articles wow. to make them more relevant and make sure everything is still working on them and, you know, still what it should be. So yes, that that is my constant project. And yeah, a fantastic website, littlehouseliving.com. And then you have a store there. So can you tell us about what you have in the store? Yes. So right now the store just has digital products. So I have some eBooks and some printables and I'm actually working on a brand new eBook that hopefully I will have finished in the next couple months. What's it about? um, Have the time. It's actually all really easy skillet meals. Our family is really into just like, like a one dish kind of Mm-hmm. Easy stuff that we can throw together, um, especially in the summer mm-hmm. when I don't want to cook at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm, I've am i got a book of 30 days of skillet meals, and that should be done here in the next couple months. All right. Um, what are the but, other ebooks? Yeah, right now that's what my story is. Because I saw one of 30, 31 Days to a Simpler Life. That one looked really cool. Right. That's a good, uh, like a step-by-step. If you want a very specific goal every day to work on, Mm -hmm. um, that's a good ebook. And that's got a lot of printables in the back of the ebook too, to kind of, if you're more of a visual person and need to write things down Mm -hmm. and want to live simpler, those are, that's very, like, I feel like my book is more encouragement. And even though it does have steps, it's a little more encouragement. That ebook is like very Here's what you should do today. <laughs> Very direct. Yeah. So if you need that, that's a good ebook for that. Um, I have one on meal planning that just kind of explores a bunch of different ways to meal plan. Mm-hmm. 
Um, cause I don't think there's any one right method. You have to figure yeah, out. See, that's that what I'm saying. Family. I think that's so neat. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have some printables too. Um, I have like my printable uh, recipe binder pages. So I hate going through 50 million cookbooks when I'm trying to find a recipe. Oh, yeah. um, so I keep all my recipes together in one binder. That's brilliant. And um, my husband made the pages to put in my binder for the recipes and for some other things. Um, so we put those printables on our um, on our store. And yeah, I just have a couple other smaller ones as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic website. I have so many notes about all the things that are in there. <laughs> Everything from, like I said, these gift basket ideas all the way to how to make your produce last longer, all the way to appetizer ideas. I mean, it's so comprehensive. So people should check that out, littlehouseliving.com. And then you're on social media at Little House Living. That's easy. Yes. Easy to find yep. you. And if people are interested in buying Living Slower, I'm sure it's just wherever they can buy their books. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. On Amazon and Barnes and Noble, they can buy it right from um, Baker Publishing. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much anywhere if you search for it. This is cute on the back. Mm -hmm. Who took your photo? Your husband? My husband. (laughs) So his name's on the back of it. It says author photo. I love that. Oh, that's so cute. You guys did it together. That's awesome. Well, this was a fantastic book, Living Slower, Simple Ideas to Eliminate Excess and Make Time for What Matters. And heading into the new year, that's what a lot of people are trying to do is make time for what matters. Beautiful book. And I got a lot out of it. A lot of practical things. And I love that it took me to your website, which has even more ideas on it. Uh, Marissa, we always end our podcast with the same question, which is uh, what's a favorite childhood memory from your childhood that was outside? Oh, a favorite childhood memory. Um, So when I was little, I lived right next door to my grandparents and my grandpa was very inventive. And so once he went and he had cut down a bunch of really big trees to use for firewood, um, but he took some of the really big, they were just huge logs and he made them into a little cafe that he put up um, by their house for us. So he had a little, like a log, uh, table and chairs and a um, countertop, like the whole thing. He made it all out of logs. Wow. And I have really good memories of playing in that um, little cafe when I was growing up. Oh, that's so special. And here you are building things out of wood. Yeah. And <laughs> that's incredible. I think he rubbed off on me. Yeah, yep. I think so too. Very inventive. You have invented a house. Um, that's awesome. Well, Marissa, thank you. I loved your book. I can't wait to check out your ebook that's coming out. And I'm so glad that we've connected. You have fantastic ideas. And really from this neat perspective of coming from a spot where you didn't live that way and now you do and you've been able to make that shift. So I think people will be really interested to read your story in Living Slower as well and seeing that change. So thanks so much for spending this time with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me today. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. 
All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. 